All right. Well, turn with me to Mark chapter 9, verse 30 to 41. All right. Like I said, we've had a great series in the relational resolves, and now we're getting back in the book of Mark. I believe we started that last August, and we should be finished by the springtime. With I just, I, I absolutely, I, I heard one pastor in class, uh, he told a story that he had a church for 50 years. He was, he was a pastor for 50 years in a church, and one of the things he did was on Sunday morning, he would just go through the Gospels over and over and over again. He would, he'd, he'd, he'd do a series in John, and then you'd go to, to Matt, back to Matthew, and then you'd go to Mark and Luke, and I don't know, where will he do that? I mean, is that all the church knew? Our our people just couldn't get enough of Jesus. They just wanted to know Jesus. They wanted to know him more. And and he's just walking off the pages of Scripture right into our hearts. And it's just been such a delight to know know the Lord from Scripture. We get to know who Jesus really is by these wonderful gospel writers. And so Jesus now is looking forward to Jerusalem. He is moving towards the cross He's beginning to say, well, I, if, if I'm leaving, I want to make sure that this thing lasts. I want to make sure that this family lasts. I want to make sure that, you know, there's 2,000 years. He had vision. 2,000 years from now, there would be a people. There would be a family who seeks him on mission. There would be a people who actually live out the Great Commission. There would be people who actually live out uh, the greatest commandment, which is what? To love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. There would be a people and now we fast forward to 2022 and there are, there is a people here. I mean, you guys are the people that love God. Of course, there's, there's people all around the world right now that are loving God on this day, on the Lord's day. And I just think about that. Even 11.37 a.m. here on the East Coast. Right now it's 11.37 p.m. Who knows how many in the underground church are out in the middle of the night right now worshiping Jesus. That somehow 2,000 years later, people are still worshiping this Jesus. Still opening up to the pages of scripture, reading the very words of Christ to his disciples. And so he's beginning to train them. He, he needs to train them to make sure that this thing lasts. And how does he do that? Is he models humility and he teaches about humility. The, the, the New Testament, the Old Testament is full of passages that speak about humility. These are the developing and sending years. I, I kind of can relate to that in a sense. We're always going to be training and sending. But these specific years are, are geared towards we want to see leaders rise up. We want to see leaders get an, a, a heart for the nations and actually go. Uh, our very own, actually, even uh, Phil has decided to, to join the, uh, he just had a baby uh, just recently. And, uh, but he's decided to join the college team and just say, I want to give my life to college students. And that's why we planted our ministry, our church near the college, because we knew that they are the next generation to go and do the work of God around the world. They're the crazy ones, the radical ones. Yes, I'll sign up. They're the ones who fill up most of the base teams around the world. They're the ones that got to be there in Japan with our people and got to see a church being birthed. And these people said yes to the Lord then, and they can't wait to go this next summer. Because they got to taste it. They didn't just get to read about it in scripture. They got to taste. This is what it's like to do mission. Uh, uh, We want to be a people of humility and honor and joy and grace and hunger and all those things as we talked about the last five weeks. But I want to give basically kind of like another slice of humility, if you will. Based in Mark chapter 9, verse 30 to 41. Jesus modeled everything he taught. 
You cannot say like, man, we got to be missional. We got to be missional. And you're going around and you're going around to everybody mission and you're not on mission. Right? You got to be like, oh, you got to love, like, like if you're a wife, you're like, love your husbands, love your husbands. And you don't love your husband. He modeled it first. He said, look, this is what it looks like to be a man of humility. And then he taught it with authority like nobody else. And so let's pick up in verse 30. It says here, from, they, from there they went out and began to go through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know about it. Now, he's, it's this theme. This is a marking theme, right? He, he, he keeps jotting down the same phrase, like, no one needs to know about it. And so it's kind of funny with being a missional people. Is we are not to keep this message to ourselves. But remember, in context, the reason why Jesus is saying that he's not contradicting himself by any means. No, he wants people to tell people about him. Eventually, when he resurrects, when, the, when, when the, the actual means to the mission is accomplished, because there's no power unless there's a resurrection, right? So you, they, these guys would have no power. They, 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 would, they don't know the full story. They're not even liking him going to the cross, let alone resurrecting and getting out on mission, right? So he tells them, don't tell anybody about it because I'm not into a healing ministry. That's not my primary goal is to come and just heal a bunch of people. And so he said, just wait, because this needs to happen first. For he was teaching his disciples and telling them the son of man is to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. Again, how many times did we talk about in the last few chapters, right? Eight and nine for the last so many months. These disciples are like, you're not doing that. Not on my watch. And Jesus is like, yes, on my watch, I am doing that. And the father knows the time. And this is what I'm, he clearly tells them as a good teacher. He tells them, this is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to work. I will have to die for your sin. And I will resurrect from the dead three days later. And you will have the power of the spirit inside of you. And you will tell people this message. And 2,000 years later, there will be people in Oviedo, Florida that will know about this message. They'll be ready to go to Rome with this message. It's important. Amen? So verse 32, but they did not understand this statement. <laughs> you might be sitting there being like, I don't understand this crazy man with the maroon shirt. I have no idea what he says. He's crazy. And I would agree. And they were afraid to ask him. Like you can, they're afraid to ask him anymore because I don't want to know what he's talking about. Just out of sight on mine. I'm just going to close my ears. And then they came to Capernaum in th verse 33. And when he was in the house, he began to question them. So what were you discussing along the way? What were you talking about? But they kept silent. And we'll pause there. They probably were really ashamed, embarrassed, because we're about to find out what they're about to talk about. But before we get there, I just want to give you five ways pride destroys the church and its mission. Five ways pride will destroy the church and its mission. So under the, under the banner of Jesus modeled humility, Jesus teaches humility so that they would be, this is like kind of, it's preparations for mission for the long haul. Right? I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not be able to destroy it. He's in this theme. He's in this theme of raising up leaders, raising up disciples to go reach the world for the gospel so that we can live in heaven with him for all of eternity. That's the goal. Then he says, 
that pride will destroy you. And he starts off with a real life example. He's like, hey, I'm gonna bring this out of you like any good disciple maker does, uh, discipler, right? Teacher, pastor, who draw out that, he ask questions, draw out that sin that's gonna hinder you from the mission of God. It's gonna hinder you from, from loving people, gonna hinder you from point number one, pride destroys the unity and fellowship with Jesus. Pride will destroy your relationship with God. It will. Isaiah 66, 2 says, I will look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit. This is God speaking. He's like, I want to find people like this that would tremble at my word. I want to find true, humble people that are not saying, hey, Jesus, this is what we're going to do. No. Who tremble at his word, who humble themselves and say, God, you show me your plans for my life, for my family's life. For our life, for our life as a church, where are we going as a church? I don't get to decide that. I didn't pick Rome. That's something God put on our hearts. Well, you might be saying, well, did you get a dream at night? No, I did not get a dream. You might say, did I get some sort of, you know, open vision? Nope, didn't get an open vision. Well, where do you get this stuff from? You pray. We are called to go to the nations. And we say, God, where do you want us? And he starts putting that burden on our hearts. He starts opening up doors. His Macedonian call. I mean, we want to go this place. Nope, not going there. Go this. Nope, not going there. And this place. Yes, this place. That's how he works. And so he opened the door. He opened up relationships. And now is the time to go. And the open invitation is always there to go on campus. It's always there to talk to your neighbors. Always. It's before us. The mission of God is all around us. Micah 6, 8 says the Lord requires you what? To do what? To walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly with God. That is the, he's looking for a church, us, people to be humble, who seek him, who tremble at his word, who fear God. Luke 14, 11 says everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But he will give grace to the humble. We cannot afford at this point in time, in history, now, to be opposed by God. We have a lot of opposition in a lot of areas, right? You have opposition in your finance, opposition in relationships, opposition in so many years. I do not want to be even remotely opposed by God. I cannot afford that in my life. You can't either. We cannot. We're not going to just waltz right in to places like San Francisco without a prayer team. We're not going to waltz into Rome, one of the darkest places in Europe. We're not going to walk in where the ideologies are rampant right now on campus and only getting worse. I want to be, you, you know, I, I was just telling somebody the other day, there's no reason to be really afraid of terrorism coming from the, out of the Middle East. That's not a threat. I mean, it could be. I'm not saying that. I just, it could still be a threat. You know what the threat is? It's ideology. It's to get you to, to not believe the truth of Jesus Christ. It's not to believe the truth of the Bible that to cost you all of eternity and hell. The worst thing is not getting shot down. The worst thing is believing falsehoods from Satan and perishing for all of eternity. That is what I'd be terrified of. And so we need the truth. We need humility. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. 
Right there, black and white. It's right there. And throw it along this, James 4, 6, 10, and 1 Peter 5, 5. God is opposed to the proud, gives grace to the humble. But also, it, you need to do that in the presence of the Lord. And you do that every morning. That's why you wake up early. You can, I cannot start my day with man. One, one wise person said, you give your mornings to God, you give your afternoons to man, and you give your evenings to your family. That's the way you live. I mean, it's not going to be perfect, right? I mean, it's never perfect. But in general, give your mornings to the Lord. Start off right with him. He gives you the power throughout the day to do all that he calls you to accomplish. When you start with yourself, it doesn't make for a good day, does it? We need to be humble. It destroys, pride destroys our relationship with Jesus. Am I on? Okay. You know, you saw that with Mark 8 through 9, chapters 8 through 9. Peter knew better and even Jesus had used some pretty harsh language at one point. He said, get behind me, Satan. He said, get behind me. I, mean, I don't think there's more strong words that came out of Jesus' mouth towards someone he loved. and was then the pillar of the church. You wanted him to stay on the mountain, just stay on the mountain, Jesus, with me. We're good. We'll just stay here. The pride will, it, it, even, it, it can, it won't, it won't hinder Jesus' mission. He's more powerful than man's words. But you won't be a part of God's mission. Move you out of the way. Hey, I'm, we're, this train's going. We've said that many times. Isn't it? With or without you. The mission of God's going to be accomplished. So no matter, the question is, are you going to be a part of it? Pride destroys our role in the mission of God because we're so indifferent, we're so self-focused. We forgot the mission that, hey, Jesus is, came to die, Peter. I came to die for you. Why would you hinder that? That's, like, that's gonna be your goal. That's gonna be your message. You're like, you want this to happen. So we need to remember that. It's about Jesus. It's about unity and fellowship with him and pride will destroy that. Verse 34 gets in more into the family aspect of things. Verse 34, and they kept silent. Hey, we're not going to say anything. I, Jesus does not need to know what we were talking about. For, for on the way, they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. Do you ever do that? You may not discuss that, but you certainly think it. You think of that all the time. How you're better than other people. You deserve more than other people. You're more entitled than that person. Whatever that might be, Right. So some theologians say Capernaum, this probably was Peter's house. So they got into Peter's house and Jesus, you know, he's like, hey, y'all, boys, sons of thunder, you go make me some sandwiches. We'll just go. And I just all want to sit down. We all sit down by the warm fire and just say, hey, what y'all been talking about? Never mind that, Jesus. Let's talk about the mission. (laughs) We get pretty religious in life group, don't we? Let's talk about the mission of God now. Hey, life group, what, what page are we on? But at home, we talk about who's greater, who's better. That's why there's conflict, right? I mean, James says that. That's why there's conflict. Because you're, you're fighting over who's better, who's greater, who's, who needs more. Who, I mean, the kids do that, right? Parents do that. Siblings, everybody does that. That's why there's conflict. And Jesus said, you're not going to make it. This church will not make it to the nations if you do this kind of junk. You cannot do this. You cannot give in to this. I'm better than that mom. I'm better because that mom, this baby does not cry in church. That one does. I am a better parent. Really? Tomorrow they cry. 
at an inconvenient time. Watch. Happens every time. <laughs> How amazing is it when someone, your kids are just so good. They're like angels. Really? That warms me I go to bed thinking that my, my, like my heart's like going to come out of my chest. It's like exploding. And I just can't even contain it. It's just amazing. The next day, it is absolute hell on earth. It's like, why does that happen, Lord? Because my grace is sufficient for you. When you're, in weak, when you're weak, right? I mean, shows me how weak I am. I think that's why 2020 happened. I mean, look, the pandemic didn't happen because of us, but God used the pandemic to train us. But we came back with pretty big heads and hearts from Japan, from New Orleans. Say, hey, man, nothing's stopping us from going to Germany. Yes, something's stopping you from going to Germany. We had to pull back and had to rethink. That's why vision is important to keep before you because these were the growth and maturity years and the only way God matures us is through trials. He says that in James 1, Hebrews, all, all across the Bible, Second Peter 1. He uses trials and tribulations to do that so that he can cut away all the pride, all the junk, all that stuff that is you know, the preoccupation with self. There could be no unity in the church, no power in the church. We ruin our witness when we do that to one another. 1 Corinthians 3, 3 says, For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshy? Are you not walking like mere men? Paul's saying, don't do that. How can we be unified on mission and there be a constant focus on your glory, on your selfishness, on your plan, on you building yourself up in front of man? It can never happen. God will not have that. Pride causes us to be judgmental, causes us to think we've earned something, causes us to think we're better than other people. Philippians 1.7, this is Paul's heart. He says, believers need to stand firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's what we need to be. We need to be one heart, one mind for the gospel. We have our differences. And we know that. I, I love what Reagan said. I'll read it again. There is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. Like if, I, 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 we're going to plant many churches and there are gonna be so many future heroes in this church. I mean, we're, we're constantly hearing testimonies. Oh man, look what this leader did. Look at this, this guy. Look at this, look at this in the college ministry, young adult. That's amazing. We should, we should be so happy, be so thrilled. We should rejoice in, when, when people rejoice and when there's good things happening. It's wonderful. Tip your hat. Don't be jealous. That, we're not going to go anywhere with that kind of attitude, that kind of mindset, right? We want there to be future heroes. Like, please, let, let me get behind you and help you. Let me get behind you and send you out. Let me, I mean, it'd be great if other people have plant churches. I mean, we're a hub, right? We're, we're, the, we're the family center in, in that sense. I mean, we'll send people out, training center. But when we plant churches, who knows, in Miami, San Francisco, wherever, they may have bigger churches, more gifted leaders. That's great. That's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. You'll never ever, ever be out of a job when you make others great. Ever. And that's you see in the disciples. And he's saying, look, I see this. You are a block of concrete. 
and you are not going to do anything. And I have to take my chisel and make you into something. And that's what you see sometimes as people come into your life group. You're like, you are a block of concrete. You are useless. You are like a paperweight. That's all that you're good for. But as God takes his chisel and begins to chisel them into the likeness of Christ, they will be used and ready for the nations. And we need to believe that, like have patience with people. Like love people well. Humility says you're not better than them. You were once that block of concrete, good for nothing, lost, and now found, and shaped by God. Number three, pride destroys the culture of servant leadership in the church. Mark 9, 35 says this, sitting down, he called the 12 and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And he, so he gave this, uh, just for the sake of time, I'll cut some of this out, but I, I, I think it's worth noting just some of the ways how Jesus looked at people who wanted um, leaders, who looked at leaders who wanted to gain attention, who wanted everyone to follow them because of how great and awesome they are. We cannot have that kind of leadership. We cannot have that kind of eldership. We cannot have that kind of deaconship. We cannot have that kind of life group leadership in the church where it's like, it's all about them. Be very careful of people who say, that, that, that portray that kind of way about them, that they're drawing every, all attention to themselves and, and look at me and look at how, I, how well I speak. Look at how well I, I do this and exegete a passage. And, and do, uh, watch their character. Look at their lives, not just what's coming out of their mouth or maybe the, the, the fruit that they have as far as ministry fruit. We're looking at character fruit. Matthew 23, 5 to 7 says, the religious leaders did all their deeds to be noticed by men. They did everything just to be noticed. They wanted everybody to like them. That was the only thing. And look, don't, don't think you can't do that as a husband and wife team. Hey, I just got to have a perfect house, perfect this, perfect that. Everyone's going to think we're perfect. And then once they leave, it's absolute chaos. Don't do that. Practice hospitality. But practice authenticity as well. He said, look, these guys have brought in their phylacteries and lengthened their tassels and garments. We had scriptures all around the household. It's amazing. Wow, look at these guys. And they have books just positioned just right over here and over there and, and, and everywhere. And it's like all they want to do is be noticed. And in Matthew 6, 1 through 5, I'm not going to read all that, but leaders flaunting their giving, leaders flaunting their praying, and leaders flaunting their fasting. What is it about? It's about them. It's about them. If anyone wants to be first, Jesus says, listen, you are going to be the future leaders of this church, he's saying. If any of you want to be first, forget that conversation that you had on the way here. You will be last. You will be servant of all. And that's who we want to be. Let's not pursue accolades, affirmation, exaltation. You'll lose your honor in the end, which we'll get to. But let us be the nameless and faceless ones. That's something we shared for years in this church when we first started. I love that. We're not trying to be famous. We're not trying to, we, we, I mean, I don't even think we, I think we might have social media. I don't know. I don't have social, I don't know what's going on. I, I'm, I hope that's good. 
But we're not trying to be famous. We're not, we, we, don't, we don't even do any advertising when we first started on purpose. I'm not interested in being a candy store. I, 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 I'm not interested in, in, in all uh, the, the, the flaming poodles and, and, and giving away free, free stuff and giving away, uh, you know, free iPads so that you, you'll love Jesus more. That's stupid. They may love you for a month. Get irritated and take their iPad somewhere else to a bar. I'm interested in lives being transformed. That's what I'm interested in. And I think you're here for the same reason. We give away fake money here. (laughs) Just serves the point, right? R.C. Sproul says this, every one of us born with an aspiration for significance. Everyone is done. Everyone is born with this aspiration. We want our lives to count. We do not want to fail to achieve the goals we pursue in our lives. The last thing we want to do is come in last. Human nature. We are not satisfied with mediocrity. We dream of glory, of winning, of reaching the pinnacle of success, of getting to the top, of attaining greatness, of being the best. We want to scale the corporate ladder and become king of the hill. That's man. It's finest. But Jesus says, if you want to be great, if you want to aspire to significance, if you want your life to count, if you really want to be first in the kingdom, you must choose to be last. Choose to be last. I read a book one time, Eater, uh, Leaders Eat Last. It's just, they're always last in line, making sure everybody else gets theirs. This, again, doesn't always work perfect, and don't judge the leader that, you know, you know, gets, you know, whatever. You get what I'm saying. It's the gist of it. Create a bunch of Pharisees with that statement. It's a paradox. To live, you must die. To gain, you must lose. To be first, you must be last. Number four, a pride destroys love toward the weak, toward the weak, which is what missions is all about. We're about caring for the weak. And also this has application for us in the church. Verse 36, taking a child, he set him before, sent him before them and taking his, in his arms. This is a lot of theologians think this is Peter's kid. And he's like, hey, I'm going to use this object lesson. Come here, little one. And takes him in his arms. Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. And whoever receives me does not receive me, but him, the Father, God, who sent me. What is he saying? Children are like believers. In this illustration, Jesus is saying this child is like, like receiving believers. And children back then, they, most of them died as newborns. I mean, if, if they could get off the ground, it, it's a miracle. If they could get to age 12, it's, it's a miracle in the first century. It's not like today. But children were powerless. They were weak. There was no honor. They were dependent. They were unaccomplished and ignored. The illustration is clear. When you receive people like this, you are most like Jesus. And ultimately, you receive him. Go for the underdog, guys. This church has always been about an underdog. It's always been the people that are the marginalized the outcast, they get no playing time, no attention, nothing out there. But in here, they're heroes. And the guys that are out there, they're successful, they're big dudes, you know, they think they're all that. They're nothing in here. They don't fit. They don't like it. Because Jesus is the ultimate hero. He's in control. He's, he's the one with all the power. 
and the authority. But let's go for the underdog. Let's care for those people who are the weakest. God is building a family. We need to be unified as a family and care for those who are in need. He says this in Matthew 18, 6. He also continues that in verse 42 here. It's very much parallel. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone around, hung around his neck and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. It is better to suffer a horrible death than to offend a believer who is weak. Don't do that. You could be manipulated by the weak, of course. People could come in here with, you know, take advantage of that. I understand that, but leave it to God. But we are to care for people that are weak and marginalized. And we have plenty of them. And they come in all the time. And we need to care. Can't just jump over them. Move around them. He's prepping his disciples for ministry, for church. And he's prepping us for that as well, to be a mature church in our city. Number five, and lastly, pride causes us to think we're the only ones doing the mission and the work of God. We're not. Listen to this. It's the last remaining verses here. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able to soon afterward to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives it, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for that. But I think it's kind of humorous. You've got to look at the Bible and just study the Bible to, to, to be able to maybe catch this. And I, and I think it's, it's, it's obvious in this sense. John is saying, look, this is really convicting stuff what Jesus is saying. He's saying care for Marginalize, care for people, build unity, don't give in to pride. I probably should tell them what we just did, like just recently. We should probably have like a little confession here. So he's like, hey, by the way, there was a guy, uh, there was a, like a, some people that were trying to cast out demons, but they were not really a part of our team. They were not on our mission team. They were not a part of Antioch Community Church, Orlando they were doing the work of God. We just rebuked them. I'm guessing that's probably, probably not a good thing now that you just gave this teaching here in the Peter's house. I guess it's probably not the, it, probably not, no. No, and he's saying, look, <laughs> don't build walls between believers within the house. And don't build walls with believers outside this house. We're going to see a lot of people and a lot of different types of people, a lot of different denominations, a lot of different practices. We're going to make things clear when we can. That's a false teaching. That's a false religion. That's not a good denomination to follow. I get that. You need discernment. You will need discernment. This is not like throw your discernment out. Woo, let's be unified with everybody. No, unity revolves around truth. We've said that. We've, we've given you guys that teaching over and over and over in this last couple of years because we've needed that with all the new ideologies and everything else. It's not a free-for-all, guys. Theology matters. Doctrine matters. And we will give you that. We'll pump it in. <laughs> but, but that doesn't give us an excuse to close the door on key partnerships, even if they look different from us. How we do that, I don't know. It's exhausting and it's a full-time job. 
But there's a lot of cups of coffee I'm about to have with people in Rome. And cannolis. <laughs> but it's going to take some time to work all of it out. Relationally, people might sing different. People might worship different. They have the same Bible, whatever. Look, TMAI, who are partnering with the, the church in Miami we got to see, the church in San Francisco, they're all different. It doesn't give us a right to, to hinder what God is doing in their life, in their church for the mission of God. Let's applaud them. Praise the Lord what they're doing. We do not want to talk trash about other churches. If they're wrong theologically, yes. Okay, they're wrong theologically. Let's move on. Let's bless them where we can. Let's build with others who are like us, like-minded. And let's move forward. Amen? Jesus is, he's so clear I just, I love how he just lays out the, 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 the mission prep plan. I mean, he's, just, he's, he's teaching us how to do this thing. It's just like, let's break out the manual and let's do this right so that we can have a church that glorifies God. It's, it's very much like uh, what Paul said in Philippians 1, 15 to 18, some to be sure are preaching Christ even from envy and strife. I mean, there's people who just don't like Paul and they're making it tough for him, but they're still preaching the gospel. And look at the character that he had and the character that we need. But some also from goodwill, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. That's what they do rather than from pure motives. I can't change their motives. I can't even change their, the, some parts of their theology. I don't, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. I mean, these guys are in one sense... They're, they're jerks, right? But what? What then? He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this, what? I rejoice. That's who we are. That's the people of God. And last verse, last but not least, says this. For whoever gives you a cup of cold water to drink because of your name, as followers of Christ, as believers, as representatives of the kingdom, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. What does that mean? What are we going to practice, church? Kindness. Kindness. We got to practice kindness. This is what God's called us to. Humility will be rewarded. That's what he says. It will be rewarded for all of eternity. They will not lose their reward. That's the, that is from Christ himself. You practice kindness, you will find yourself with rewards in heaven. And you might be thinking, well, that's a work salvation. I'm going to talk to John afterwards and maybe write him an email. Okay, that's fine. I will entertain your email for one second. Here's the deal. That is not works righteousness. He's saying this. You want to see a believer, a true, genuine believer? You want to see someone that is going to heaven, who is bound to heaven, who has got that ticket in his back pocket and is living it out? This is a person who shows kindness. It shows practical kindness. We are not going to fill our minds with theology and not live this out here in this church. You said it. You can quote me on that. You can rewind it and play it all day long. It's just James. It's just James too. We are going to be a people who live out the scriptures. We are not going to fill our minds with R.C. Sproul quotes. We're not going to fill our minds with telling Hey, you know, the Puritans said this one time. Well, that's great. That's awesome that the Puritans said that. Live it out and you'll be like a Puritan. Live it out. That's what we're called to. We will not on my watch will that happen. Sorry, wrong church. 
This is the church. We will live this stuff out, period. And you will see God do extraordinary things in and through us as he's always been doing for the last 10 years, last decade, and may there be many more in Jesus' name. Father, thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much for what you've done. You've literally got a church off the ground in 2012, and you've grown us, you've matured us, you've sanctified us, and you're going to continue to do that as you promised in Philippians 1.6. And Father, I pray that we would be a people after your own heart. And only you can do that. Only you can save. Only you can sanctify. Let us work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Let's partner with you. Stay in step, as it says in Romans 8. Stay in step with the Spirit so we'd have life, fruit. Let's abide with you, John 15. Let's live. Let's get up in the morning, spend time with you. Let's disciple in a fresh way, using the Scriptures, one another. And let us share the gospel boldly, as Paul asked for more boldness in Ephesians 6. Let us be those people. Let's not give in to pride. Pride destroys all these wonderful things you've given us, relationship with you, with each other, and the mission of God. And God, let us receive humility's reward. Let us receive humility's reward, showing kindness and love towards each other, especially those who are weak here in our church, in our city, but also the nations of the earth. And everyone said amen. All right, let's stand to our feet.